We want to talk a little bit about the opioid epidemic. It does cost the U.S. economy tens of billions of dollars. And uh, an interesting stat um, about how many prescriptions are written to adults uh, for opioids. Let's talk a little bit about this. Dr. Ian Lespader back with us, Associate Professor of Medicine at NYU Langone, with us in our Bloomberg New York studio 1130 Studio. Nice to have you back with us. Thank you. A pleasure. It is pretty staggering. You do a Google search on opioids and the, the problems, the epidemics, the costs. It's pretty staggering. I think even physicians, when they saw this study, which came out August 1st in the Annals of Internal Medicine, I think they were shocked. I mean, we and my colleagues couldn't believe that 38% of U.S. civilians self-reported used prescription opioids. Uh, I, that really is a huge uh, number. No, 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 all, not all of them obviously become addicts. True. Uh, it is for chronic pain, it's estimated up to 10% of patients with chronic uh, opioid use for pain and chronic pain can become addicted. So it's serious. And as you say, it costs billions of dollars. It's been estimated that uh, uh, opioid uh, overuse uh, can be anywhere from $55 billion to $75 billion a year. So it definitely contributes to our overall health care costs. It's definitely become front and center, I feel like, as a result of the election campaign. It got a lot of attention, rightfully so. Um, I've talked to you know various folks from different states about the problem. Um, why do we have this problem, in your view? Uh, good question. Certainly for years in the past, uh, doctors were told they undertreated pain, that we needed to give more pain medications, the fifth vital sign, uh, certainly end of life, cancer pain, and so forth. But I think it has been com- uh, become convenient. Uh, they're certainly effective. And the reason they're effective is that these are all derivatives of morphine, which have receptors in the brain and the gut. Uh, it makes people feel good, and it's certainly easier to do. In New York State, though, we have a lot of obstacles to that. We have iStop. You have to go on a, a state database to make sure your patient has not been prescribed narcotics elsewhere. Mm-hmm. We need um, to have a little digital number that's uh, uh, that's generated that you put in your electronic prescription. So there are many more obstacles that make New York State physicians think about this. It's not around the country. Perhaps it should be, uh, as well as studies like this to make people aware. You know, I said to you before we got going, I'm like, why do doctors write so many prescriptions for opioids? And you mentioned it's not just doctors. You've got you know, um, addicts getting them from family members and so on and so forth. But somebody initially writes that prescription. So I agree with you that there has to be better monitoring. Uh, you're right. About 11 million or 4.7 percent of those uh, 91 million adults, that 40 percent of the population, self-admit they misused opioids. About 2 million had a use disorder. So a large percent use it longer than prescribed at higher doses. 60% of those misusers uh, use it without a prescription, and 41% apparently get the medication from a friend or relative. So when you write a prescription, you think you're giving it to the patient for a limited amount of time, but there's no way to know for the physician to know that it's not going to leak into other areas. It's really problematic for some states, for some cities, uh, governors trying to figure it out, mayors trying to figure out what is the solution. Do we know? Well, 29,000 uh, 
uh, people a year die from it. Uh, costs are very high. We do have alternative pain medications, not quite as effective. Perhaps, you know, we're now learning perhaps we should use those. Uh, hypnosis, acupuncture, massage, all of those are a little more effort involved than just simply taking a pill. I love that you you mentioned that. Uh, someone I know who recently had a situation and was sent to a pain center, and it was multiple therapies, including things like acupuncture and physical exactly. therapy. Uh, medication was also a consideration, but it wasn't just, yep, give them a pill. How do we kind of change our thinking, our diagnosis, our uh, way of going about dealing with pain and pain management? Well, we think of acute pain as, you know, a dental procedure. It's probably fine to give someone, you know, a week of medication, five days of medication. Uh, anything longer than that really needs, ideally, a consult. And it, it we have pain management at NYU Medical Center. Uh, most places have pain management. Difficult to get into. They're very busy. Back pain, headache, uh, orthopedic pain. There's a tremendous amount of pain that needs to be managed. Uh, some people actually do better on substitutes, methadone. We need to weed out the people who really have misuse and addiction, put them on suboxone, buprenorphine, methadone, uh, naltrexone. So we need to find those patients, get them into rehab. It's actually hard to get rehab for many patients. Uh, it's not widespread. Right. The pain management people can give them multimodal uh, treatment, and that can be very effective. It's interesting. I do feel like hopefully with um, a raised awareness exactly. that people will think about this uh, differently. I mean, are you already seeing it among colleagues and so on? Yes, I think we're all much more careful. Uh, and I think patients are also careful about asking for it. And patients are sent to pain management. Uh, if it looks like they have a problem, hopefully they go. Dr. Ian Lesbader, thank you so much. Thank you. I always love having you come in. Uh, Associate Professor of Medicine at NYU Langone in our New York studio.